Live from the Big G's Pizza Studio here in St. Louis, Missouri. We're off site today, uh, visiting a friend of mine, a recurring guest, our first recurring guest, Michael Sharif. Michael, what's going on? Hey, I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back on the show, and thank you for making me your first recurring guest, bro. Appreciate Absolutely, it. man. Well, stoked to have you. And also today, we are joined by another very special guest, a first timer, Gotham Macaria. Gotham, what's up? That's not how you say my name. How do you say it's it? It's Acharya. It's my last name. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. Fucking sue me. Hey, we tried. Fucking <laughs> sue me. If that's how you want to do the show, we'll do the show this way. <laughs> we'll do this way. Well, you want to start out combative? Damn. You know, Damn. That's all right. You know, I probably should know better. But I did say your first name correctly. Is that right? Yeah, man. It's only been eight and a half years. I mean. Well, you know. You know. Brick by brick, man. I'm actually, if you would listen to the show, it would like anyone who has listened um, will know that I am notorious for mispronouncing things. Mm. Um, mm. I blame my dyslexia, but uh, <laughs> it could just be that yeah, I'm an idiot too. One of the two. Yeah, you never know. You never know. So what's up, dudes? So Gout, we we try to get together what like a couple times a year. Yeah, I'd say a few times a year. We've we've been pretty good about it. I mean, we've seen each other. Yeah, at least a few times a year since we graduated. We've we've been good about doing like sh- now it's good because we've 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 hung out in all of our like hometowns. Like yeah. we've hung out in Chicago, we've hung out in Seattle, and we've hung out now in St. Louis. So it's I think it's been really good that we've kind of all seen each other's like hometowns and like kind of where we grew up a little bit. Yeah. Well, so Gout, what do you think of St. Louis, man? Unfiltered, unadulterated opinion. Go splash. Man, raw and uncut, man. I like I like it, man. It's 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 heartland. It's a heartland city. Yeah, the phrase of the week Midwest. was "salt of the earth." Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice, man. I was, I was, I was kind of like, it was kind of cool that like I we lived near a really, really, really big park. That's like one of the biggest parks after Central Park, and I'm lucky enough to be able to live near it. And so, you know, we got to you know kind of explore the city, but it kind of felt way more like you know like spacious and green and nice, you know. So we went for a nice walk, and it was it was a nice day yesterday. So it was good. Yeah, we got lucky. It was a beautiful day. Um. Yeah, dude, that, uh, I don't know, I was really impressed with with the park, and like the whole, um, we went up right by the art museum, and you kind of look down, and uh, there's like the, the bit of a valley, and then there's like the the water down mm. below, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but yeah. apparently that's only a fraction of the park, so. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of like, really like internal trails, and like, we were on one side of the zoo, and there's a whole other side out on the other side of the zoo, closer to like the main highway, and you know, and there's a really cool trail, and you know, and DJ me and you want to run uh, run a half marathon, but there's a whole track that goes around the whole park, and it's about seven miles mm. on the outer, and it kind of gives you like a good overview, um, so maybe if you come back at some point, which I know you probably will. Um, yeah, we'll make it back here. Yeah. It's not that far. Shout out Amtrak. Uh getting me to and fro this show is sponsored by amtrak book online at amtrak.com gout what's going on man how have you so like fill us in dude what uh like what have you been up to what, what tell us about yourself because people know sharif he's been on the show before tell us give us your rendition how did we all meet because we've been friends for eight and a half years we still get together we go across the country to see each other lay it out for us what's your perspective on our relationship and in yourself yeah, it's a long story. I mean, I mean, we met we met first day of first day of college, move in day, freshman year, 
2011, August uh, August 29th, 30th, sometime around then. Oh, I was gonna say I was be impressed if you remember like the exact day. Something like that. Yeah, it was the end of, uh, last few days of August. We all moved in. I met the one and only Michael J. Sharif. And yeah, yeah. By the way, you know that's not his middle name isn't with a oh, J, right? I, I know. My, uh, Nick, okay. Nick Danger would always say Michael J. Sharif, so I've kind of <laughs> adopted that. <laughs> the J, the J is nice. It just works, man. Okay. And then DJ walked in very friendly and asked us how we're all doing and asked if we wanted to play some guitar together and. Yeah, we rocked out. Yeah, yeah. we rocked out for about four and a half minutes. It was very unimpressive. You played, yeah, and Gout played Spanish guitar. Yeah, it was not a good combination, bass and electric bass and Spanish guitar. It didn't really work out too well, but yeah. not yet, man. You know, well, we didn't try hard enough, though, either. That's true. Four and a half minutes is not. We should have at least gone five, you know? I was pretty happy because you and DJ walked in and was like, I, I basically figured out two things. DJ liked to lift and he liked the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was like, all right, I'm going to like this guy pretty quickly. Wait, how'd you know I liked to lift? Because I was just so swole. We went to, we had, we had to go to convocation and you're like, yo, bro, let's squeeze a lift in and go superset. <laughs> and, and we got it. Yeah, dude, those were the days before Don Mazzetti was like, he'd even taken off. <laughs> so we were, we were pre-superset before superset. <laughs> we were the OG supersetters. I mean, you know, we start trends. Yeah. <laughs> What happened, man? <laughs> I know. Those are the good old days. I know. I haven't. I don't. I think that was the lat, the one and only time I ever supersetted. Yeah, I do drop sets now, a lot more supersets. Oh, if, I ever, if I ever do lift, explain to people what a drop set is for the un, uh, the uneducated. Yeah, so basically, it's like when you do a lift, you go to failure, and then you quickly, if you like, quickly drop the weight, and then you just go to failure again, and then you keep dropping the weight until you literally can't go anymore. So you kind of squeeze out that last little bit past when you're already like kind of failing, which high, is high endurance kind of thing. Yeah, and it's really it works really well. Definitely not recommended for like if you're just starting out lifting, but like if you're like pretty intermediate, it's a really good way to get good gains. At least I've seen. Yeah, but yeah, it's also just like. I find stuff like that where you push yourself past the breaking point is like good for mental strength. Like just fucking pushing yourself through on different plateaus, I guess. I don't know. Cause like we we're kind of talking about, we talked about it a couple times this weekend, but um, because you talk about how you fast for extended periods of time mm-hmm. and how so much of it is actually just in your head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very surprising how much more like, like, like when you tell yourself that you can't do something, like even if you say it as a joke or like you think it subconsciously, your body really does like kind of like respond to it and, and you have a lot more control over yourself than you realize. And so like, you know, things like fasting or lifting or any of these like endurance activities can, can you know, really kind of are pretty eye opening in terms of like what the human body can do. And, you know, there's plenty of people online that, you know, you can see that they've pushed their bodies and it's really easy to be like, oh, they're a freak athlete. Like it's really easy to be like, oh, that guy's just genetically he could just do that but you know some of these things that people do like they're a lot more accessible than you realize and so like mindset you know the mind's a lot more powerful than we give it credit you know so it's probably great for the rest of your life too i'm sure that feeds into that feeds into every aspect of the rest of your life that mental mental fortitude yeah it's it's definitely like relaxes the mind man because because when you're when your body's physically struggling like you know your 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 mind really like is clear because in modern days your your body's kind of aching or your body's good right because you're always eating food and then you know your your mind's kind of racing so it kind of flips it and we kind of have a mental health crisis kind of like currently with people dealing with it so i don't know so and you know that on top of the obesity crisis i think that we could, we could kind of tackle you know two two birds with one stone type thing with with fasting 
Um, and that's something that we discussed and that's, you know, something that, you know, I'm going to explore more because I didn't really, you know, I didn't really realize how different of a habit it is and how not many people really do it. Although I will say intermittent fasting is kind of taking off now in mainstream culture. I know a lot of people who do that. So that's a stepping stone. It's a lot more palatable, right? Just skip breakfast, it's a, six, a 16 hour fast. It's a easy stepping stone to get started, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely easier. Um, but a lot of scientists have come out and say that like the benefits of intermittent fasting have been widely overstated uh, aside from um, calorie restriction just by the fact that you're not eating for 24 hours a day or whatever, you know, 16 hour days, I guess you're only conscious for 16 hours a day. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's the, like, we were talking about it earlier. Like, dude, we just don't fucking know anything about nutrition. Hardly. It's complex. This kind of biochemistry is really hard to, hard to, analyze with scientific rigor you know it's well, a, plus every really single person is different dude like yeah. everyone has a different um heritage and different um genes and things of that nature and i think regionality is very important like someone who was raised closer to the equator is probably gonna have different tolerance and metabolism than someone like with more um you know, nordic genes or something like that intuitively that's what you would think i i'm speaking out of my ass so i'm just armchair in this bitch but yeah yeah that's that's it's really hard sometimes listening to like all the like modern like the the people who are the scientific um like broadcasters and like people who talk about it in pop culture about nutrition because like there's a lot of people who talk a lot of stuff and like i don't know it's one of those things you kind of have to try everything and see what works like you know like people like that's a big thing about like the people who do like like keto like keto is a really divisive one because it works for some people and it doesn't work for other people. And I like, you know, and no one really knows long term. No one's done a long term study on keto, you know, um, as opposed to like a plant based diet. You know what I mean? So it's like it's, it's no no one really like we only know a couple things about food generally. And, and like you said, the one thing that makes you live longer is calorie restriction. You know, that immediately will make you live longer. Well, that's what we think. Who knows for now? Yeah, true. Who really knows? Um but yeah, speaking of calorie restriction, F segue here. Uh, Gout went to Burning Man this year. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool, man. Yeah. Give us the lowdown on that. What's that all about? Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, uh, I'm an artist uh, out of Seattle, and I work out of a, um, a set of studios called Equinox Studios, which you should totally check out if you're in the area. Um, it's in the Georgetown area, south of I-90. And I, I'm a drawer and painter. I do pretty standard 2D stuff, but there were a crew of blacksmiths, uh, metal workers, working by my studio, and I just, um, I just wandered by one day and asked if they needed help in the shop and if I could learn, just because I was curious. And they said that they were a, mostly a Burning Man crew, and they built large-scale iron sculptures, um, iron and fire sculptures, to take to Burning Man. And I just kind of said, "Fuck it, I'll do it." And I devoted, you know, most of my free time from April until August to, you know, coming into the shop and, and building up, building up a huge iron sculpture. It was a armillary, a giant globe surrounded by these large, um, these large star shaped structures. Uh, it's about 60 feet across. And, and yeah, we put that thing up. We came to Burning Man a week early, worked in the desert for a week, built up a sculpture, um, lit on fire, showed it to people and licked other people's weird shit and came home. It you was, licked other people's weird shit? Looked at other people's oh. weird shit. Did I you mean, lick anything? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, you know. It's, classi- it's classified. Right. <laughs> can't, okay. can't talk about that. Well, we'll talk offline, as they say. <laughs> yeah, it was It was cool. It was definitely an interesting experience. I would, would recommend going again, but 
if you go, I'd recommend, you know, going and making something. That's that's really the point is to make shit, you know. Yeah, how did you get into art? I don't think I've ever actually asked you. Like, when did you realize you enjoyed drawing? Because you started drawing, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just started as, you know, most kids start out drawing and uh, I just kept doing it. I really liked it. Um, and I got pretty serious about it kind of towards the end of high school. I decided I'm going to actively try to get better at this and pursue it. And then in college, I did a bunch of art classes and, you know, uh, tried to pursue an art minor, but they didn't offer that at U of I, but, you know, as close as I could get. So I did that, and after after college, I did about a year of apprenticing at a atelier, which is a classical Italian style of teaching. So I did that, and after that, I moved to Seattle and just continued continued expanding my expanding myself in that in that direction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think it's really interesting because you identify as an artist. Um, sort of. I mean, it's I mean, you one said part. I am an artist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am an artist. I'm also, you know. Uh, person who works uh in technology and brain science i'm also a person who likes to i don't know cook and spend time with his friends and family it's hard to it's, it's hard to label yourself entirely as one thing but i would say an artist is being an artist is definitely part of the identity i've constructed for myself yeah and I, no i think it's a cool thing because um you are i mean you are an artist and you make art i think a lot of people are artists too but they don't um they think that because they don't their art doesn't pay their bills, for instance. It's their main source of income that they can't identify as an artist, and I think they're holding themselves back as a result of that. How do you feel? Absolutely. I mean, that is a pure capitalistic view on things. You know, uh, our society isn't constructed to be conducive to financial support of creative, of creative artists, especially creative artists that push boundaries. Um, just because you can't monetize it doesn't mean it's not who you are. You know, uh, and to be honest, most famous artists I know uh, either make their make make their money teaching or they work a, a second job and the ones that really pay their own bills doing art full-time are either extreme exceptions i mean i do know a couple or they just to be honest grew up rich and <laughs> don't have too many problems so mm. if someone wanted to get started in art and like they enjoy making things maybe they enjoy painting or they enjoy writing or, or drawing like you or, or whatever it is but they just like don't know where to start like what what advice would you give to someone like that yeah i would say the most important thing is to be around other artists and just don't be afraid to make do something that you haven't done before you know i mean just find some stuff that you see on the ground and stick it together or you know put together something out of coat hangers or you know draw a picture on paper that you've never looked at before draw with your eyes closed draw draw with your left hand you know paint with things that you don't think should you should be able to paint with paint with coffee paint with i don't know food just do do whatever do whatever comes to your mind and spend time around other people who are in that mode too and don't be afraid to make things that aren't good i think as adults we have this need to make make things that satisfy other people's other people's opinions and i mean that's great you know art is a mode of communication to other people but at the same time you need to make things that you're not proud of to make things that you are proud of so that, that's what that's what always scares like so it's really good you asked that question dj because like i'm the type of person that like i haven't been able to find a real good like creative artistic outlet and and the big reason i haven't is because like you said it's like i'm very scared of just making something that's bad but i that's not the point like it's in oh, as, yeah. as adults you always want to do something that's like high quality and good but with art it's not like that so that's, oh, that's it's good gonna be sad yeah and as your taste expands as you get better at making art your taste what you judge yourself by goes higher too you set the bar higher 
So you're always going to be dissatisfied. I believe if you are, if you are truly someone who wants to progress in some some avenue of creative creative expression, then you're always going to be somewhat dissatisfied because your taste will always exceed your your skills. And if it, and if it doesn't, then you know, I mean, you're not growing. And I believe that that's how it should be. Do you do you set goals for yourself where like I need to do X amount of paintings this year? Or, like, um, do you do stuff like that, or is it very fluid? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I. I I set time aside where I go to the studio and I, I draw or I paint. I set aside time where I, I mean, I've started an artist collective and we, we make time to meet every few weeks. And, um, that's, you know, I mean, someone has to organize that. So I'm usually taking care of that. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's creativity, but creativity comes from discipline. I mean, it's like anything else. You, it's a muscle. You exercise it. You get better at it. You get, you get better at making things. I mean, no, no artist, I believe, has ever made or without struggling it's not just the idea of some artist having a moment of creative creativity and creating ma- a masterpiece on the spot happens but only after you know behind the scenes behind the scenes countless hours and time and sweat and tears right so do you tie um i don't know do you set like a goal like i need to be in the studio x amount of hours a week or like, do you have concrete? Is that what you measure your success on? Is the amount of hours you're making art, or do you measure your success internally on output, the amount of finished products, or do you not think about it like that at all? It's the output because I don't I don't know how long a piece is going to take. I can estimate, but I mean, but you also can't hard. control the output. Like you can't control if you don't know how many hours it's going to take. You don't like that's not something you can control. But you can control like I'm going to be in the studio for 20 hours a week or something. Exactly, and maybe I'll be in the studio 20 hours and I'll make a couple of really really crappy drawings, or maybe I'll make something that's really un- unimpressive to me, and maybe I'll make something that I like a lot, but the fact that I'm there means that I'm progressing. And sometimes I'll start a piece and I'll tell myself, okay, I need to finish this piece by this date and I'll push myself in that, in that regard. Mm. Um, I'm doing that now just cause I have a show coming up in a couple weeks. So, um, that's a, <laughs> that's kind of a automatic deadline, right? So I need to have this finished. Yeah. It's interesting because I, 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 don't, I feel like a lot of artists and I put myself in this bucket. Like when you don't have any, anyone to answer to there's like no authority figure to um you know because like yeah you can sign up for an exposition or something like that where you have to have something prepared but a lot of times those probably you have to seek those out a lot of times right so you may you can manufacture your own deadlines but if you don't do that you have no deadline so how i it just baffles me like how you can hold yourself accountable when you have no deadlines Right. I mean, it's, it's, part of it's just discipline, I believe. You just need to hold yourself accountable. And I mean, if you're not doing that, then I mean, why are you even doing it in the first place? You know? And and secondly, you know, you should want to do this. This is, I don't have to do this, right? I don't, I don't need to, to make art. I can pay my bills and live my life without ever making art. But I, I feel a, you know, more of a spiritual, soulful need to do it. And that drives me to do it. And this is just the way I can integrate it into my life and make sure that I'm, I'm doing it to the best of my ability. Mm. Do you uh, do you enjoy the as being an artist? Do you, do you how much how much do you enjoy like the social aspect of being around other artists and like that dynamic of like not just being by yourself and making stuff, but like being with other people and doing stuff and like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's that 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 was a ama- an amazing thing about Burning Man. I mean, I've always had art as a solo endeavor, and I've always had friends who were artists and work on their own things, but working on this iron sculpture with the with the iron monkeys that's the group name um it was it, it was it was really fun i mean we it was a group of about 25 people some of them you know pretty pretty broad age range 
um, and we all just busted ass together to make this really cool piece of art. And that's the first time I've really had art as a team sport and as a physical team sport. I mean, you, you know, you're digging trenches in the desert, you're threading pipes and welding and, um, you know, twisting metal and all that. All that is exhausting and sweaty, hard work, and you're doing it with a group and you're trying to achieve a common goal. And that common goal is making this completely ridiculous sculpture in the middle of nowhere. So... I like that. I yeah. like that. I like that idea that you almost you equate it to like a team sport. That's a, oh, that's yeah. a really interesting concept. Art, art as a team sport. Yeah, that's how it felt. It just felt like we were all working together. We uh, we had shifts and schedules, and we, you know, trained together in a shop and learned things together, learned new techniques and exercised them to make this thing. It's just a a team project, and that that really adds a lot. I think. I mean, I do love making my own stuff, but I really I found that I do enjoy making things in groups. Cool. Yeah, I think we talked about it earlier, but I don't know. I think that's what we're missing a lot today. Um, I don't think people, we don't sweat with each other, so to speak. Like, we don't all put in sweat equity for a common goal like you would if you played a team sport um, growing up. You kind of know the feeling of, I don't know, doing two days or whatever where you just like suffer through conditioning and you know you run the same play like 10 times in a row and um you all suffer and hate it together but at the end you make some really good friends out of it um because you know you ultimately have your game day and you present this final product that is your team and if you win that's awesome and you can all celebrate together and stuff you all put in the work um and i think that ultimately that sense that that fosters community for a lot of reasons but i don't know it feels like we're just missing it right absolutely i mean i think that I mean, this is one of my this is one of my pet uh, pet peeve rants that I can go on. But I think our society is absolutely fractured these days. I think we've really atomized society and broken ourselves down into, you know, individual corporate corporate groups and you know, micro family units that really don't have any way to function in a mentally healthy way together. And it causes over dependence on you know one's immediate family and workspace. And causes a underdependence on the any idea of a community and, and a surrounding, a surrounding um, group. And I think as as humans, as pack animals, we've our our neurological um, framework has kind of evolved to to support to support that. You know, we're 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 evolved to support living in a community, living in a group. That's what we're made we're built for. Really, is what we're wired for. And we've kind of lost that. And I think that we're in a stage right now in our society where we're very, very physically taken care of. You know, people are dying a lot less. People are generally physically healthier and treated treated better. But um, I think our mental health is absolutely slipping in, in modern Western societies. Okay. thought you were going to say something there, Sharif. You look like you were. But you're not. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, but I thought about it and I'm like, no, you know, I'll say something soon. <laughs> Still okay. thinking. Gotcha. Yeah, how do you fix it then, Gout? How do you fix that? Oh, man. That, you know, I don't, I don't have a good answer for it. Um, I mean, I sent you that podcast. I think you should definitely give it, give it a listen. What it's, is it called for um, people? It's, it, it's on Sam Harris's podcast. It's called uh, Addiction, Depression, and Mental Health. Um, if you scroll through, you'll find it. It's really, the guest on there is really great. He does a great job at articulating this problem. And there's no easy solution. I mean, the idea is that we need to build communities that generally, generally ca- genuinely care about individual individuals. And I, I don't have a good answer for how to do that when everybody's overworked and overstressed and in debt and out of shape. I mean, you can start by improving yourself, but you also need to have some kind of a net of people around you and... I mean, I'm very thankful for the, you know, emotional, 
support that I have for my friends and family. And I wish I wish that kind of environment could be provided for everybody. I just don't have an easy, easy way to build that. But I think reducing stress, reducing the amount people have to work, reducing the amount of debt people have to take on in society to survive will free up time for to increase our interactions and to decrease our decrease our aggression towards each other that's built from, you know, the rat race that we've created in this world. Yeah, it's 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 kind of sad that like and I know it's not true like everybody can do art at every level of the socioeconomic ladder but like you know people who you know are working two jobs you know if they you know if they don't get paid that much and they're always kind of like just in this cycle of working and you know kind of being exhausted you know when when you talk about art and these like more you know abstract things to do and then building a community based off doing art like you know there's so many levels to even get to that point of discussion that we have to address first Right. You, you know, and so, so, you know, it's, you know, it's always good to, you know, increase the culture around art and all that. But, you know, there, there are more fundamental things that we have to address to even get to that point of that discussion, you know, you know, and, and that's just kind of society as it is currently. Right. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I make art, but I mean, I'm, I'm extremely privileged. You know, I went to college. I, I got a, I got a job that's uh, highly skilled and I, I can support my bills with a single job that I, do for you know eight or less hours a day and it's uh I, I don't have i don't have children i don't have i don't have family to take care of i mean i'm very much in the luxury of being able to pursue my passions you know and that's not something everybody has yeah, yeah. i don't you mentioned like oh let's reduce stress like we're reduce the amount of work like that may, might be steps in the right direction but i don't know man i'm maybe i'm cynical but i think people if they had more free time they just watch more tv i think they would just do easier stuff i don't think that we they would build they would naturally go towards building more like putting in hard work and building more community so so that's that's like that's like currently how our culture is but like that's like the difference between me and gout talked about this like the difference between like how they teach stuff in like france and how they teach stuff here like they just put more emphasis on the creative aspect of stuff versus here it's like you know we don't really encourage we we don't really encourage people to create stuff really that much i mean like that's why like the people who do are like movers and shakers and they're like kind of the different and the outcasts. Like there's this like narrative around it, you know, like normal average people aren't really creating. And so I think, yes, you're right to a certain extent that just more free time means more just consuming TV. But I think, you know, if you change the narrative of how like we raised kids, like maybe that could change over time. But yeah, I think people right now, they tend to numb themselves with, you know, TV and social media, not because that's what, their idea of a good time is but because they're so overwhelmed by all of the micro stresses that have added up in their lives you know they they're so overwhelmed by like i said work and debt and lack of nutrition and all these things that are you know might be fixable individually but when you build them up enough they i think it can be an overwhelming tsunami of uh paralyzing fear and i think it's very easy to succumb to coming home and tuning out the world and you know convincing yourself that everything's okay by losing yourself in escapist entertainment. Yeah, I see. I maybe, maybe I think it's just the path of least resistance. People are just like, that's you know what? I think so, but I think I think you have to give people more credit than that. I mean, I think I, humans humans intrinsically like doing things. You know, they like feeling valuable. They like doing things. They like feeling autonomy too. That's a big thing. People like to feel like they're in control of their own destiny. Dude, they are man. They can pick whatever they want to watch on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> they have all the autonomy in the world, baby. Disney Plus now, yeah. man. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm a bit cynical. I'm definitely a bit cynical, but, um, you know, whatever we're doing now isn't working. So, um, my opinion, maybe we do need more cynics. You know, as Kid Rock once said, 
<laughs> this is for the critics, the cynics, um, and all my heroes in the methadone clinics. Uh, and so with with that in mind, uh, we're about a half hour in. We've got our first Kid Rock reference. So that's pretty solid. Usually, oh, yeah. Yeah, usually we get those around the hour mark. So we're moving pretty quick here. Moving nice. and grooving. Uh, but this is Music Podcast. Who wants to play the first song? Gout's the new guest, man. Uh, I get greens. Yeah, you get greens, man. I'll let you go first, man. What? Uh, let's, let's talk. Tell me about the song by Shura. What is this about? What's up with this? Oh, yeah. Shura came up on my Spotify radio. I just was listening to some other stuff, and Shura came up, and I think the song that came up was Religion by her. Uh, she's really good, man. I mean, I'd never heard of her before, but she really blew me away. Um, really kind of uh, psychedelic, funky music. She produces all of it, writes all of it, as far as I know. Um very talented. Um, she's a queer artist, which I think is interesting because you know, increased representation is always always a good thing in in the arts, if you ask me. So it's really really good stuff. She has kind of uh, goofy but also interesting imagery. Uh, pretty nice bass line. Really good, really good kind of textural atmosphere to the song. I mean, I'm a big fan. Cool. All right. Well, you sold it well. Let's jump into it and play it. This is a song called Skyline Be Mine by Shura. Yeah. 
That was Skyline. Be mine. Bashura. Uh, yeah, dude. That was tight. That was really cool. I, I like that song a lot. What did you like about it? I, I liked it. It was very, very like, it's very spacey, but it also just has that, like, it had that really good, simple, kind of like almost bluesy, bluesy kind of bass line. Um, and I really liked how her voice, as the song went on and there were more layers and stuff added, her song became less the really like standout part and it almost like became like an instrument like and it kind of like took a backseat as more and more and more layers were added which kind of made it more psychedelic-y which i which i kind of liked but it's also very smooth yeah it was interesting it's like it would be a good um driving song in my opinion like a night driving song oh yeah it's on it's it's on my night driving playlist i have do you have have a night driving playlist yeah that's awesome sick i need to get one the 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 like it's really awesome, man. We, I mean, and becoming friends with you, DJ, has made me like really, really appreciate like bass a lot more, man. But and that was like a really, really simple bass line. But like just combined with that song, the bass was kind of like the backbone of that song, and it was really simple and it was kind of like the same throughout the song. But I, I really felt like it really like contributed a lot and it really helped carry the song a lot for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely i mean simplicity i feel like for a good baseline simplicity is key you want something that grooves but also something that you know isn't isn't too isn't too involved something that you can really 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 roll with it's all about the groove man yeah man yeah if you can't get the groove right what's the fucking point am i right (sighs) straight up come on man straight up and straight down (laughs) yo seattle what's the music scene like in seattle oh it's interesting i mean seattle is um Seattle's a very white city, so there isn't a ton of hip hop hip hop in Seattle. It's very um it's very indie focused. You know, lots of lots of young people moving into the city. Um so there's a pretty strong EDM presence too. I wouldn't say I don't think I know a ton of EDM artists coming out of Seattle, but I don't I don't pay too much attention to that that genre anyway. But um there's quite a bit of EDM, you know, shows going on in the city. But I would say the dominant the dominant genre is kind of like rocky folk. I mean, you know, coming out of the grunge scene, tamed down a little bit for the for the 2010s. Um, you see a lot of that stuff out there. Do you go to a lot of shows? I go to a good amount. I think in the past few months, uh, it's been decreased a little bit. But I have a few friends in bands, and I like to go see them. Um, I just saw Brockhampton in, in Seattle. They came through, and that was nice. Um, yeah, uh, I'd say a moderate amount of shows. I've probably been to maybe 15 or 20 this, this year. Okay, that's a lot, actually. I mean, that's like one every other week. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Wow, that's cool, man. Yeah, I uh, we did go to the what's that festival? Capitol Hill Music Festival. We went to when we visited you one year. Oh yeah, it's a shit show. It's a shit show every year. It's just uh, yeah, it, it seemed pretty chaotic. But I I kind of liked it, man. It was I, yeah. I kind of like those like block party type shows where they kind of like shut down the streets, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Um. Yeah, you go to a lot of music festivals, Sharif. Tell me, like, what what are some of your favorites? Um, I I every year I go. The one I've gone to every year that I've enjoyed is a uh, Forecastle, which is in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a city one. Um, and there's a really beautiful park that's on the water on the on the on the on a river, and um, one of the stages is actually underneath the highway. Um, it's like an underpass of the highway, and it's like all sandy, and so it gets really like the ambiance gets really cool um, with a lot of the like artists under there, um, and it's a good mix. Um, like I, I actually was open minded enough to actually really enjoy some like live country, which I have a very weird relationship with that genre. I don't really like it very much, but um, 
Yeah, I've gone to that one. Um, I go to Backwoods, which is um, in, in, a, in Mulberry Mountain in Arkansas, which is a little bit more like weirder music, um, weirder EDM, um, some jam bands. Um, I saw some bluegrass this past year at a music festival. Um, um, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, and like you said, Gout, about like EDM, like I, I see a lot of EDM, but that's a music that I really much more appreciate live Absolutely. than, um, than I do when I sit at my laptop and listen to music. So um, very much as a experience for me. So that's, that's kind of how I see festivals a lot of the times. Yeah, me too. I mean, EDM is, uh, EDM is very much tied to the lights for me. I really can't separate the two. I, I love going to live EDM shows or raves, but it really has to be with lights and the whole, the whole scene. I, I can't really bump it in my car and get quite the same feeling out of it. Yeah, that's a genre I just like, I don't know. I never, never really got into, but I've been to a couple EDM concerts and I agree the environment certainly enhances the music but um yeah i don't know it's not something that i ever just sat down and have been like you know what i'm just gonna fucking go into a two-hour house mix right now yeah dive in you know yeah i put on i put on sometimes at work if i listen to music that's when i listen to like i'll listen to some like deep house music or something like that that i just kind of in the background because it's kind of like a repetitive beat and it doesn't like distract me very much um but at least for me, like at least growing up in the '90s, like <laughs> the best music in like 1993 when I was born is like alternative and hip hop. So that's like my two main lanes of music I generally listen to, like on a daily. If I had to break it down, mm-hmm. typically, um, you know, I stray to other stuff too. But you know, yeah. Well, speaking of house music, we've got a band called the Beatles, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna play a song uh, by them, Sharif. So. Tell us about it. why did you pick this song? Because uh, obviously people know the Beatles, um, but uh, this song obviously had some sort of special place in your heart. So tell us about it. What song is it? And uh, just give us some just give us some background, man. Yeah. So um, I really, really got into the Beatles. Um, I never really had parents who showed me any music, and um, so I spent time listening to their entire discography. It's one of the few music groups that I've really gone through everything, and um, a lot of Beatles music are very poppy, and they seem pretty like like you know, like simple in retrospect, but, um, this is one song that was like deep in the experimental phase of, of the Beatles. And it was at the end of their album revolver. And the song is tomorrow never knows. And, um, they use backward guitar loops, which is the first time that was ever used. Um, they use sitars and, um, a bunch of different other Indian instruments. Um, this song is never actually was never actually performed live by the Beatles, and it actually when it came out in 1966, it never was able actually to be reproduced live. It was only like as of recently able to actually produced live. What do you mean? Like it, it just wasn't like no one really had the full blown like like I don't like like the technology just wasn't like up to par to really capture what they did like in the studio at the time. Like it was very hard to create that same equivalent like like effect. So um. It's and uh, in the lyrics, it's very interesting. It's like uh, John Lennon like cites a lot of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, um, and it's very, 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 um, it's very trippy. And it kind of you know, it kind of shows how deep the Beatles really went. Because um, basically, like when you hear this song, three years before this song was like "Love Me Do" and like "I Want to Hold Your Hand" and like you know how they evolved into like this. And this was the first song they made on the album. Um, and this was right before Sgt. Pepper's came out. And so, you know, that's why this this is my favorite Beatles song. It's by far, I think, their most experimental. So, All right, let's play it. This is a song called Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. Tomorrow never knows. 
Damn, that was trippy. Yeah, it, dude, it's weird, man. Like that's like that's what the Beatles were at. Like it's it's yeah. There's backwards loops. There's like it's like Ringo's like boom, like it's like a it's such a weird drumming pattern. Like it, you know, people always rip on Ringo as a drummer, but he really nailed that like really weird drum pattern. Um, and I think the lyrics are very, very, very interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm reading up on it now and it's, um, yeah, I guess John Lennon read Timothy Leary's book on like how to actually like the cosmonaut book or psychonaut book or whatever on like how to navigate the use of psychedelics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then this was kind of like his companion song to the book. It seems like Mm, interesting in a lot of ways. Um, also interesting fact about that song. Um, have you ever heard, uh, I'm not sure if you knew this, but have you ever heard of the, the Claypool Lennon delirium? No, I mean, I heard of it, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't know anything. Yeah. About so it. that's the guy from Primus and then Sean Lennon, John Lennon's kid. They are in a band now. Did not know that. Yeah. Les Claypool of Primus. Um, and apparently they regularly cover this song. So that's kind of interesting. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was really, really good. Honestly, I, I haven't, I'll be totally honest. I really haven't been exposed to the Beatles much at all I've really only listened to you know the, the big the big hits and I've never explored their discography um, I didn't really know that they made music like that so yeah most people don't man like it's really yeah it's I'm, I'm glad you admit that because you know a lot of people are like you know oh like you know it, it's fine and I'm like this is that that song is really out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't listen to the Beatles bro no man I don't and I, I, oh I, I should and I think I'm I think I'm I've been, I don't been convinced. It's fine. I mean, I haven't listened to the Beach Boys. Like, I know, like, that's a big one that I've never listened to, but people rave about. Like, Beach Boys, really? Yeah, apparently. But, I mean, people worship Pet Sounds, man. Pet Sounds and, like, Sgt. Pepper's, like, came out. Like, and they were, like, they were, like, competing with each other, like, the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Like, mm. but I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always going to be more music that you haven't listened to than you have listened to, right? It's just, you're never going to hear everything. Well, yeah. It was it was pretty it was pretty nice going through the Beatles like whole thing. I think it was worth it. I basically picked out like basically right when the Beatles experimented from sixty five to like sixty nine is like my like sweet zone. Like there's like five albums that I'm like very good. Mm. Um and this is my favorite album, which is uh Revolver. So mm. Yeah, it's cool, man. I yeah, that I don't really listen to the Beatles, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, You're more of a Zeppelin guy, I know. Yeah, more of a classic rock guy. Yeah, I'm, know. I feel you. Pink Floyd. Yeah. If you don't like Zeppelin, the door's right there. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and the doors themselves are sick. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. No, but in all seriousness, that is music I do like. But uh, I enjoyed that song. I thought it was a, um interesting glimpse into uh, someone's psyched out mind. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'm fascinated with John Lennon's interest in psychedelics because he seemed like one of the happiest most creative people in the world like and you know someone that's still revered to this day for being you know a, a massive force for good in the world um and he had such an affinity for psychedelic drugs um i don't know i, I didn't realize that he had gotten to the point where he was like writing songs about specifically about the experience of um i don't know like enlightenment through chemistry so to speak but yeah yeah and this and like i said this coming out in that time period was very 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 like not taboo but it was like kind of like le- not revolutionary but like ahead of its time you know like 
So at this point, they were just a studio band. Like at this point, they were not touring. They were like only like creating. There was no, no more like girls screaming and worshiping them. Like that was already over, kind of. I love that they just stopped playing shows, dude. Dude, they didn't put th- this album, Revolver. They did. They, they did not put the Beatles on the like this record at all. Like it just says Revolver and it has their four faces on it. Like that and Sgt. Pepper's like don't have like. Like, they kind of, like, got rid of this whole Beatles identity, kind of. Like, the White Album. I mean, they put the name on the White Album, but it's kind of empty. Like, you know, so. What was their last album? Uh, it actually was It was Let It Be was their last album, but their actually last recorded songs were Abbey Road. So, like, the last song of Abbey Road is called The End. And, like, it's a really good song with um, Harrison, Lennon, and McCartney actually switching off guitar solos. I highly recommend everyone listen to it. It's a very short song, but it's kind of cool. It's got some cool guitar work. So, um, yeah, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll make, I've been kind of dry on, on new music lately, so maybe I'll try, I'll try out some Beatles. Yeah. I you mean you're dry on new music. You brought five songs to the table, bro. <laughs> what is these just old stale pieces of yeah, shit? Man, I, I, I didn't bring the freshness. I'm sorry. That's all right, man. It's all fresh to us. Most of it, at least, uh, including yeah. this next track, a song called Sh- the shark baby song, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Shark. it's a do 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 baby. You know that song? It's pretty much a cover of that song, actually. Yeah. Um, so tell us about it. So it's a, it's a song called Shark Smile by Big Thief. What do we need to know? Yeah, Big Thief is interesting. They're a um, they're an indie in, indie folk band out of I think New York City. I think they're from Brooklyn. They they have kind of a twangy folky sound, and that's honestly not really my really my cup of tea for the most part. Um, Same. I'm not a big country guy. I'm not really a twangy banjo guitar guy, but this this song has a really nice kind of rolling, um, rolling guitar riff in the background that just really just um, kind of reminiscent of a chunky you know four by four blues riff, but um, it's a lot softer and a lot more mellow and has a really nice kind of uh, landscape to it. And I think the singer is a phenomenal singer. I think she puts a lot of emotion into her voice and yeah, she has a bit of a bit of a folk- folky sound, but I think I think she just really has a very subtly a subtly sad voice that just seems seems to seems to hit hit me in, in some type of way. So yeah, it's it definitely captured my attention in a way that these kinds of songs usually don't. So that's why I included it. Cool. Well, let's jump into it. This is a song called "Shark Smile" by Big Thief.
Shark Smile by Big Thief. Not what I would have thought you were going to pick. Yeah, like I said, it's not my um, usual cup of tea. I've I've heard that song before. That's yeah. that, song, that song's good. Yeah, it, um, it's great. Very much like that's really really well done chorus. Like yeah, the, Oop, baby, that's yeah. really really catchy. Um, the guitar work um, actually kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of Wilco, a band, oh, yeah. a band that I like. Um, it's that like kind of like folky 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 kind of pace guitar um that intro though was really really cool yeah it's very psychedelic right and Dude, it, it yeah comes, it comes back a little bit halfway through the song some of that textural guitar yeah comes back in they they're a really creative group they it was cool really merged that indie folk with that kind of new age psychedelic stuff yeah yeah the intro really really impressed me i really liked it yeah it was uh yeah i think it was cool it was a cool song uh, i don't know i mean like not my favorite song in the world i'm being completely honest with you but um, I'm also kind of tired right now, so hey, we we're powering through this, baby. Hey, we're powering through this. It's relaxing. Yeah, we're chilling. We're chilling. Go. How'd you find that song? Yeah, uh, a friend of mine showed it to me. She's pretty into this indie folk stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I'm also very hit and miss with indie folk stuff. Um, like literally, the band I hate the most is Mumford and Sons. <laughs> Dude, that's literally yeah. my favorite band. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Mumford and Sons. <laughs> Would you find this Gringo de Mumford and Sons concert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get copyright struck now by uh, 22 Jump Street. Oh, no. Not all the bands that were just... This is fair use, actually. We're, they're providing transformative commentary hmm. about these songs, right? I think so. I, I would suppose so. Okay, cool. Well, you guys are going to defend me in court, so... Yeah, I will. Know we, you know we got you. Yeah. Thanks, bros. Thanks, yeah. dudes. Um... Speaking of court, you're pretty much a lawyer now, Sharif. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. Um, Michael Sharif, attorney at law. Yeah, I can just, I have limited rights in certain areas of the U.S. government in terms of law. Yeah, well, let's not get into that. Let's just keep chugging along. We got, we're got we we're building some momentum with these songs. So yeah. um, tell, us, tell about the, this Caius song, because you talk about this band a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Caius is one of those bands. Um, me and you both like Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and luckily this weekend we actually got got to listen to a, a couple a couple of their tracks. Um, me and you really bonded over Rated R. You kind of got me onto that album. Um, and then I listened to a bunch of their other albums, and I heard about this band Caius, and like that was uh, Josh Holm, the kind of the the brainchild of Queens of the Stone Age. This is old band, um, and they used to play these cool like de- like desert concerts. They used to like get like generators and go out there, and like it was like you know real. Um, it was cool, but it was it's less like less rocky than Queens of the Stone Age, and a little bit more like psychedelic, um, and a little bit like weirder. Um, so it's it's an interesting genre of music. It's like it's basically what coined like this album, um, which I, I forget the name, but this one album from Caius is actually what term how they invented the whole term stoner rock, which is like this weird mix of blues, of blues like heavy rock, like some kind of metal elements. Um, you know, it's, it's a very distinct genre that you kind of like, when you hear it, you kind of get it, but it's kind of hard to explain. So, um, yeah, and this is my favorite song off that album. So it's called Whitewater and it's a little long, but there's multiple parts to it. And I just love the guitar work, man. It's just some of my favorite guitar work. So, yeah. Well, and Josh Holm was also recently, recently on Joe Rogan. He's like been in fucking every band at this point. I mean, he's been in Queens of Stone Age, Caius using them crooked vultures, Eagles death metal. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, he makes, he's just in everything. 
Yeah, he he's very talented. I don't like him really much as a like. I mean, I'm kind of mixed on him as a person, but um, he's very yeah, he's very um, he's very adventurous. Um, you know, like he just like recruited Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl listened to Rated R, liked it, and and Josh Holm found out that Dave Grohl liked it and was like, "Hey, dude, would you like to be on another project?" And that's how they got Dave Grohl to drum on Songs for the Deaf. And you yeah, know, was Queens Stone Age really? They probably weren't even that popular before Songs for the Deaf, were they? No, Rated R is kind of what gave him like like kind of mainstream appeal, um, and like I said, like Dave, that was Dave Grohl's favorite album of like that year when it came out. So like, yeah, so yeah, Josh Holmes very connected in the uh, in the music industry. Like I sent you that one song; it was just Dave Grohl, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, and uh, and Josh Holmes just like jamming out. And three of the best like vocalists of rock in the last decade, and none of them sang, and they just decided to make this like instrumental song. So like, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of cool, man. He's kind of a renaissance man of rock, and that's why I say Queens of the Stone Age is like my favorite like rock band currently. Like I'd say that the best overall rock band, but it's my opinion. Dude, what about Wolf Mother, bro? Come on, <laughs> I've never listened to him. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Wolf Mother, shout out Wolf Mother. Come on the podcast. You're officially invited. One of my favorite Aussie rock bands. Nice. Um, you know, you know who Wolf Mother is, right? Yeah, yeah, I was joking. Yeah, <laughs> dude, fucking board the love train, baby. Yeah. But before we do that, we're gonna play a song called "White Water" by Kais.
was White Water by Caius. Wow. What, you broke the mic stand? What happened, dude? I don't know. I gotta reattach it somehow. It's fine. I'll figure it out. I'll just fucking fix it, dude. Right now? Take the mic off, dude. back does white water by Caius yeah that was so that's off welcome to sky valley that's the name of the album um the definitive stoner rock album um which also gout you like the song space cadet that's off that same album oh sweet yeah so that you know that song's a little different but um yeah that's one of my favorite like personally for me like that second half like it's first half is like very much like kind of like grungy kind of metally, almost kind of rock, and that second half has some really, really cool guitar work that I like. Um, it's really super groovy, ba- like, bass and drums. Like, I like it a lot. So Yeah, it had a cool, groovy part in the uh, middle towards the end there. I kind of like the the interesting chords that they used. Um, I don't know, just had a nice little ring to it, I guess. Yeah, it's one of my favorite running songs. Um, so You run to that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, especially when like that guitar like kind of like builds up that crescendo, like it like pushes me. It's really yeah, one of my favorites. So you know, yeah, I liked it. I like the I like the outro. I like the kind of like dissipating guitar work that kind of faded out as the song ended. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, the bass, the yeah, the bass and the guitar. It's very good bass and guitar, kind of flirting together. Hell yeah, brother. Um, so <laughs> let's keep it chugging along. Um, this is a artist that you've mentioned on numerous occasions this weekend, Gout, that um, I don't know anything about, and uh, I'm a little bit curious to jump in. So tell us a little bit about a song called Gold by Brockhampton. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a huge Brockhampton fan. Uh, my sister took me to um, their concert for my birthday. It was pretty pretty sweet. It's a big, uh, it's a big musical artist collective. It's like... Uh, must be like 15 guys it's, it's it's a lot of people they have this big queer diy punk aesthetic to them they kind of all live in the same house um they all just like make music together and they've made i think multiple albums each year they've just had a really prolific output and their stuff is kind of goofy kind of braggadocious but also really well produced and it really just sounds like they're very confident they they're not afraid of messing with their voices they're not afraid of changing up the way they deliver their lines or inflect things or you know they're not afraid to play around with different different ways of pitching up or pitching down the way they they deliver their their lines and it really adds to the way they they've built up this uh this aesthetic that they have and i think the fact that so many people gives it a lot of variety and it everything they make sounds very fresh and in the hip-hop scene these days i feel like things are kind of like muddling together you have a lot of genres that are kind of muddling into this soup of trappy, um, bassy music, and this is kind of a fresh take on that, which I, I really appreciate. Where, where are they from again? I think they're from uh, they're from Texas. They're from, I think they're from Austin or something. But they met on a Kanye Kanye West <laughs> fan forum page. They 
one of them posted that they're making a making a hip hop group, and if anybody wants to join, they should meet up and move to their house and or something like that. And that's how they got together, which I think is absolutely ridiculous and very indicative of our of our generation. Yeah, man, a lot of people find love on the Kanye West fanboys. <laughs> Childish Cambino got his name on the Wu Tang Wu Tang rap name generator. Yeah, it's 2019, baby. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you hear stories all the time, like people. One of my favorite bands in Chicago. They all met on a Facebook group. Yeah. So, you know, fucking why not? Got to do what you got to do. We have the technology. We do. You can find people as weird as you, man, and do weird shit. Oh, well, I don't know. I speak for yourself. I don't think there's going to be anyone we find as weird as you. <laughs> you might Get right. it? High five, go. <laughs> Too slow. Oh. We tried. Well, maybe next time. This is a song called Gold by Brockhampton. Yeah.
Bravo Toro high With the precision of a cut from a Zorro knife The boy spit like you made out of 409 So that's clean, bitch You can't play with my team, bitch We rock pink, not more Wednesdays Green looks good with your invade Mixed with white cause you salty But this stainless, I'm like platinum And it's painless to just skip on the beat Like a Pee Wee Herman Hands up for all my sermons My wheels turning, now I'm more efficient than ever I feel like Ratatouille when I whip in the cheddar You see you better find your thickest and sweaters Cause this ice might fuck around and change your whole life Cause when you're about to take flight Keep a gold chain on my neck, fly as a jet Boy better treat me with respect Keep a gold chain on my neck, fly as a jet Boy better treat me with respect Keep a gold chain on my neck, fly as a jet Boy better treat me with respect Keep a gold chain on my neck, fly as a jet Boy better treat me with respect greatest boy band that's what their their new their tag is yeah i think that's fucking hilarious that's their aesthetic (laughs) yeah they call themselves a boy band which is which is awesome yeah no i'm kind of into it i like that song it was the beat was so strange but so cool yeah Yeah, that's that sums up most of their music i mean it's it's a little strange it's a little little cool it's so little goofy (laughs) it's a little funny yeah it's it's very very out there for hip-hop but i think it's i think it's really great yeah, the main the main guy who does the chorus, his name's Kevin Abstract. He's like the lead, kind of like the de facto leader. He's like he produces those beats, and he like really knows how to do a hip hop hook. Oh yeah, like it's very hard to do a hip hop hook, and like the keep a gold chain on my neck, like that's like super good. Oh yeah, it's great. And so. Kevin Abstract is just I, I think he's one of the great, greatest um, up and coming uh, artists of 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 the past few years. I mean. He's, uh, like you said, he can write a really mean hook. He can clearly, like, get this whole group of, like, 15 guys together and manage them and get them to all, you know, make good stuff cohesively, which is <laughs> pretty difficult. And and he's gay, too, and he's pretty openly gay on his songs, which, I mean, in hip-hop, that's a big that's a big move forward. I mean, you know, just, yeah. like, 11 years ago, we had DMX rapping about how much he hates, hates gay people in his songs, and now we have an openly gay guy talking about his boyfriend in his verses and yeah he's like aggressively gay too which is yeah. like kind of kind of cool like it's not like i'm kind of gay it's like hey like i'm gay like fuck you like fuck yeah. you i'm gay <laughs> you know which is kind of cool you know no it's awesome i mean we you know we, we we've had songs about you know rappers talking about fucking girls for for years now but now now that it's reversed i mean he's really putting himself out there and kind of saying this is who i am i like hip-hop and i'm gay and i'm, I'm making this and if you don't like it fuck you and i can get behind that yeah yeah, no, it was cool. I got to check them out. I actually did like that, and I don't particularly love hip hop in a lot of ways, but um, I think this was cool. It was kind of unique, a little bit alternative of a vibe to it. Um, they definitely know. have a lot of like similar like alternative hip hop, like Odd Future kind of vibes. Like, yeah, they're kind of like the de facto new Odd Future. They're more cohesive. I feel. I feel like Odd Future was too fragmented. They had Tyler the Creator, and they had you know um, what's his name, Earl Sweatshirt, and they had a couple other yeah. guys, but yeah. they. They sounded too different from each other. I feel like Kevin Abstract really pulls pulls this group together and really makes them create. I mean, that song that you just heard had like seven people people on it, but it sounded like one song. It didn't sound like you know a bunch of different songs patched together. 
Yeah, they're one of the weird groups that puts everything in all caps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a stylistic thing. Yeah, it's interesting. It's art, man. Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess so. Uh, but no, I thought it was cool, man. I'd like to check it out. I think it's cool that they have fucking fifteen people in one group, like one collective, and it still works. They live in the same house, man. God, that house has to smell terrible. Who knows, I mean, man? They're rich, man. They're rich now. It's a million dollar deal. That house probably, probably gets cleaned every day. Dude, Maybe. No, there's no chance. <laughs> there's no chance, dude. Maybe. They probably, yeah, DIY. Yeah. Who knows, man? Um, or don't DIY. Good one, Sharif. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Big Ugly by Snarky Puppy. Tell us about it. Um, so Snarky Puppy is kind of like this like jazz. Um, my I used to be on college radio, and my trainer who trained me, this was her favorite band, um, it's a huge, again, a huge collective of jazz artists, um, who kind of make cool jazz instrumental music that's still kind of modern, um, but it's still kind of like orchestral kind of, um, and yeah, this, uh, for some reason, this, this instrumental jazz song just, you know, kind of speaks to me and it's something different, so. Yeah, I'm a big Snarky Puppy fan. These guys are like freaking freak musicians. Oh, I didn't know you were into them. Yeah, I, I listened to a little bit of Snarky Puppy before. Cool. Um, actually one of my buddies, Trevor, came on and played, um, one of the guys that is in Snarky Puppy, I forget his last name. Um, I'd have to look it up, but he is this in, like just incredible um, bassist. And he, I think he plays bass in the band. Um, but anyways, he did a spinoff music that was like very... Have you ever heard of a band called Mr. Bungle before? No. Okay. Never mind, it's a tangent. But uh, long story short, I like Snarky Puppy. And yeah. uh, I'm excited to play this song. Cool. So let's do it. This is a song called Big Ugly by Snarky Puppy.
That was Big Ugly. Bye, Snarky Puppy. Yeah, dude. That was spacey, man. Yeah, it was pretty good, man. I love like that drop with da na na. Like when that comes in, like that's like the a really big fan of it, man. And I just love the crazy keys at the end and like the the guitar work. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's good. It's my favorite Snarky Puppy song. So, God, what do you think? Yeah, it's got a nice build up. I mean, I really like the way it kind of um, built up and released tension multiple times over the course of the song. It was kind of a slow uh, build and release that kind of kept the kept the song going, which really helps for a long song like that. Yeah, it kind of felt like a hero's journey. It felt like I was on a little bit of a journey on that song. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. That's that's one of the few longer songs that, like, it's long, but I don't, when I listen to it, I don't feel like it's long. Like, at least for me. But, you know. Yeah, it um, it's also very dense. I mean, there's a lot going on, but it doesn't sound messy. You know, they they produced it to sound pretty clean and pretty, pretty, pretty uh, coherent without making it sound, um, you know, muddled or anything like that. Which is which is tough with a lot of psych songs. I feel like a lot of psych songs are produced to sound all all mixed in together, where you can't really differentiate instruments, and I think this sounds very very crisp. Yeah, and there. If you ever look, like their live performances of their songs are absolutely phenomenal. Like the, it's yeah, they the recordings don't do them justice when you see them actually perform live. It's incredible, actually. So, That's cool. mm. uh, I'm a little bit disappointed in you though, Sharif. You didn't put any uh, Bob Marley "One Love" on here. Yeah, you know, I feel like people already know that. You know, I feel like if you don't know Legend at this point, you know, if you don't know, if you don't I know, guess, you, I guess you don't know. I guess you don't know. So, but man, I should put on some Bob Marley. Yeah, well, too late. Um, it's all right. Got how you feeling, man? What's up? Oh man, I'm good. feeling pretty good. Vibe check. Is, yeah, vibe check. Vibe check. Vibes vibe are check. good. Vibe check. Twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's good. Uh, this is this is fun. I'm uh, I'm thinking more and more about how I I don't really like consciously listen to music anymore. I mean it's um, I'm always doing something, you know, and just being just sitting and like listening to a song to the end and just staring at you know a blank wall it's 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 nice i mean i pick up things in songs i probably wouldn't have otherwise i appreciate it more i think this is something i should do more is intentionally consume music instead of having it as a um as a barrier from reality you know consume how do you feel i don't really like the word like when people are like i'm consuming content makes me feel a little weird yeah it makes it see it makes it seem when you say consume it makes it seem like it's disposable like right. that, like you consume it and then it's over and that's it. But like with art, a lot of times, like you consume it, you you're always consuming it. Like yeah. if it's if it's a piece of art, it speaks to you. It feels a little too like consumery to me. Right? How about or, process? Or, or process corporate. music. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's like some suit up in Wall Street. He's like, look at all of these people. They're consuming content at an unbelievable rate. <laughs> yeah, we are getting so filthy rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, like Mr. Burns, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know, that's where my head goes. But yeah. I use it too. I'm not, I didn't mean to call you out or anything. No, I mean, I think you're right. I think that's a good point. Um, you don't really consume art, right? You process it, you engage with it, but you don't really consume it because it's, it's still there when you're done, usually. Yeah. Dude, art consumes you, bro. Truth. Think about that, huh? Oh, man, Chew on deep. that. That's deep. Right? Gout, on your point about like sitting and consciously listening to music, so like I I like stopped listening to music at work because I thought it was counterproductive. Like I, I like the idea of like you're consuming the music or you're doing something else, not multitasking with music. So like um, I'm a big fan of like combining exercise with music a lot of times. Um, I know that's 
kind of hypocritical what I just said, but like if you go for like a walk, especially if you don't like work out much, like walking and listening to a podcast or walking and listening to music, I feel like is a good way to explore new albums and it kind of gets you moving, especially if you haven't like worked out or anything that day. So that's, I think that'd be good for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. And I've uh, podcasted hard for me when I run because I think my breath and things like that kind of interfere with my digestion of, you know, any complicated podcast, but yeah. Um, at least music, especially. I, I really enjoy music when I'm running. I think L- putting on a new album and kind of running to it is a really ni- nice way to nice way to appreciate it for me. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, well, we've got more new music. We have four songs left. Um, this next song is not meant to be confused with um, Carlos Santana and Rob Thomas. But it's, a song, <laughs> it's a song called "Smooth." Uh, it's by D'Angelo. Yeah, you want to introduce it to us? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually really liked the uh, Santana and Rob Thomas song when I was about, like, you know, 15 years old. I was really into that song. But, it's a great song. Yeah. Well, let's bring it back, man. Yeah, man. I'm all about it. Just but, like the ocean. Yeah, that's all I know. That's pretty much it. Under the moon. Yeah, this song is um, this song is probably my favorite D'Angelo song. It's either this or a Spanish joint off Voodoo. Um, by the way my buddy Carson actually played Spanish Joint on this podcast oh for real yeah check out like episode 4 I think Carson Masterson so yeah D'Angelo has been featured here before and it's always met with open arms but go on yeah he's one of my favorite artists for sure he's I don't think people realize how incredibly talented he is I mean he he produced all of his own music played most of the instruments on his last two albums he uh, you know was pretty pretty proficient at just about every instrument that comes on to a neo soul album has a great voice, but doesn't overuse it. I mean, sometimes he gets nasally, sometimes he gets whispery. He really changes up the way he deliver- delivers his his lines, and it's it's really interesting. And I mean, this came out in you know the late '90s, I think. I think it was '96, '98, and he was he must have been in his late teens or early twenties when he made this, which is mind blowing to me because him and Erica Badu really started the you know kicked off the neo soul movement, and that. That's one of my favorite genres as well. So, I'm I'm a huge fan of D'Angelo. He only has three albums, but if you haven't heard of him before or haven't listened to them, I would recommend checking them all out. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, what happened to D'Angelo? Is he still making music? Yeah, he just came out with Black Black Messiah uh, a few years ago. He he uh, he kind of uh, he kind of turned off for a while. He made uh, he made uh, Brown Sugar and then he made Voodoo, and I think he uh, his newfound fame was a lot for him to handle. And he just kind of went off the rails for a while and really disappeared for about about 14 years. Wow! And then he got back in the studio. I think, I think it was, um, I think it was Outcast that inspired him to get back into the studio or some or some something like that. It's good and for him though, man. Take making, a break. Yeah, he took a long break, and I think he re uh, re readjusted his perspective, and now now he's back. I don't know if he's going to continue making music, but. He at least made one more record, but that was phenomenal. It was called Black Messiah. Came out a few years ago. It's really weird, old school funk kind of soul music. Yeah, we were kind of talking about this yesterday about how people like Dave Chappelle intentionally take time out of the like out of production. I guess they step away from art or from making stuff for a little bit to like just process life um, and. Because I mean, if you think about it, when you start making art, it's essentially the all of your life up to that point is, you know, finally you have an outlet for it, right? And you kind of need to live a little bit more to get new ideas and to get new inspiration. You would think, at least, 
Right. I mean, I think Jay-Z said it. You have your whole life to make your first album and only a year to make your second one. I mean... Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's hard, especially if you're signed to a to a record label who wants to profit off of you, then you're expected to produce, you know, content on a regular basis. And I mean, yeah, you can discipline yourself to make art, but if you really... If you really are a fully realized artist and you want to make things to your standards that inspire you, then you, it's it's hard to produce that quality on a schedule. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. Yeah, I know. I, I I don't know what artist it was, but I was reading about one specific art music artist who said that like he waits he waits after he makes music for like his life to get like traumatic and stuff. Like if like until like he starts not being like he makes music and he's like okay and he feels all right and everything's well adjusted and then he starts feeling like negative and like going back into the studio and then making music is his way of like thera- therapeutically yeah Lil, Lil Nas X right yes yeah yes yes really Old no. Town Road no just oh. kidding okay shot in the dark we tried never know um, yeah I don't know who it was but I was I, I like that process um, you know there are a lot of artists out there who take a long time like Justin Timberlake he makes good pop music and he took like you know he took like over a decade to make his next album um, yeah which sucked didn't it that was pretty good. was it good yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, if you um, like, if you like Justin Timberlake, yeah, yeah, it's not your thing, but it's yeah, if you like dumb dumb suckers, yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> um, all right, let's play it. This is a song called "Smooth" by D'Angelo. Get what I want 
smooth. By D'Angelo. Wow. Gotta love D'Angelo, man. That was really good. Yeah, he, he's definitely, I mean, one of the best, one of the better artists that have come out in the past, you know, 20, 30 years. He's really, really changed the whole sound of R&B for, for the rest of the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, what song, what year did that song come out, did you say? I think it, it was, a, it's off Brown Sugar, so it must have come out in the late 90s, I think 96, 98. Okay. Yeah, it has a very, it kind of has a throwback sound to it. And I kind of like how it's like soulful, but it's also kind of jazzy. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude, I love the upright bass mm-hmm. in it, man. That was, that was really cool. Um, so. Yeah, he, he really, I mean, he really combines a lot of genres. And like I said, the way he sings is really inter- interesting to me. He's clearly a very talented singer, but I mean, he doesn't over sing or he doesn't belt too much or try to show off his voice like, you know, Muse or something like that he (laughs) he just i mean he has some falsetto trills and he kind of you know has some higher 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 roles where you can show he shows that he's a very capable singer singer but he stays in the constraints of the song and that's what makes it really interesting Mm hmm hmm it's good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah dude i like d'angelo man what do you usually do when you listen to that music oh um it's my driving music Sometimes, um, yeah, <laughs> pretty big fan of it while driving. Um, yeah, I, I I work out to it sometimes too. Sometimes I like to lift to slower, more mellow music. It puts me in a, in a pretty interesting mood. Oh, so, really? Especially that's, if it's heavy, 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 like high weight, low rep kind of stuff. Yeah, I like kind of slow, slow mellow stuff. Well, that makes one of us. That makes one of us. Yeah, dude. Now, if I'm lifting heavy ass weight, dude, it's like iron sharpens iron, dude. I want some fucking metal. I thought you listened to Shine Down. That's what I thought. Um, you know, here and there, <laughs> I'm more of a seether guy. <laughs> yeah, seether, maybe a little hinder lips of an angel. <laughs> you know, I've been known to dabble. What even genre of music would you classify that? Like shitty bullshit <laughs> alternative rock. And- yeah, just shitty alternative. <laughs> Just, yeah, just fucking the, like, nacho cheese of of alternative rock. <laughs> yeah. Just absolute trash. But hopefully this song is an absolute trash. It's a song called Babushka Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's my favorite hip-hop song of 2019. Um, basically, long story short, ASAP Rocky got attacked, um, and someone actually slashed his face, and so he wore a babushka over his face. Because he got a scar on his face. So he's now the babushka boy. And so he has a whole video where he wears a babushka. And there's cops who are dressed like pigs who are coming after him, robbing banks. And so it's my favorite beat, 2019. It's a cool song. So, All right. Well, let's play it. And he talks about being a vegan, which is sick. Why is that sick? Because I'm trying to be vegan. And rappers talking about being vegan makes it less stigmatized. What makes you want to be vegan? Uh, it makes me feel better. So cool. Process plants better. All right, let's ride then. Babushka Boy by Asap Rocky. <laughs> Princess, no dentist, please. 
bullets even. Shit, I ain't duck sauce since I became a vegan. Niggas flock with Jody season. Proud of pants before the season. Probably ducked off in a quiet place with your breezy. Proud of shades, probably why you couldn't see him. Shit me. I would like to dedicate to the scar on my face. All the stars of the globe. The world is your scar face. I would like to dedicate this to the scar on my face. And the stars on the globe. The world is your scar face. Smoking while I'm strolling down Wooster, Buck 50, my babushka. No pistol poppers and prostitutes. Car skimmers and the Prada boosters. Low top, yeah, the powder blue ones. Robber to her, power to you. Hallelujah, better pray to God. I would like to dedicate to the scar on my face. All the stars of the globe. Where does your scar face? I would like to dedicate to the scar on my face. And the stars of the globe. Where does your scar face? Successful money problems that's expected. Marijuana as impressive pearls and diamonds that's excessive money power that's successful money problems that's expected. Marijuana as impressive. boy asap rocky it came it came it went how'd it feel it felt pretty good man uh i like i you know i i, I listen to not it's hip-hop's not my one number one genre i listen to every year um in terms of qu- quantity what is um oh definitely probably like alternative for sure um it definitely edges out hip-hop a little bit but i love hip-hop too um, and this was my favorite hip hop song of 2019. Um, it just like, it just has a super sick trap beat. I just love, like, it has like a cool rolling bass. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think it's cool. So ASAP Rocky is a cool artist that I enjoy. So yeah, I was really into ASAP Rocky. I think our, our sophomore year of college, 2012, 2013, I was, I was really into live long ASAP and long live love asap yeah live love asap yeah he had a mixtape and an album that i was really into and then i kind of stopped listening to him but yeah he got he used to be a little bit more like spacier um but he he's a little bit more like he kind of has some like trap trap shit now um and like i said i think like a good trap banger man i'm always i'm always i can always get down with that oh yeah so but yeah yeah rock on dude so right on brother yep yeah dude i'm more of an asap rock guy Oh yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, I got to see ASAP Rock. Did I ever tell you that? No, tell me about it. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, uh, he's a very eloquent eloquent rapper. Definitely very different than ASAP Rocky. <laughs> so, but yeah, didn't you say they like met in the internet? They like, did a video of a meeting. Yeah, they basically just like made fun of the fact that people confuse who they are. So, 
Yeah, dude. I'm surprised that like Aesop Rock didn't sue him. Yeah, I don't. He's not really that kind of a guy, man. He's a really cool guy. So. Yeah, but you know, I mean, people are greedy, I guess. Yeah, they're also spelled differently. Aesop is A S A P, Aesop Rocky, and then Aesop is A E S O P, Rock. So like, correct. So correct. Yeah. They're not that similar. I feel like Aesop Aesop Rock just puts a bunch of big words in his songs without saying anything. <laughs> oh, just, oh, damn! You're coming me. at him now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm not super into it. Wow, my my old my old roommate um, got me into him, and uh, we went to go see him together. And I like him, but you know, he's he's he. I feel like he's a rapper's rapper. You know, he's really yeah. really super. His lyrics, you have to like super analyze them. You know, so it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, man, you can't just analyze them. You got to super analyze them. You got to consume it, man. Yeah, you got to <laughs> process it, <laughs> yeah. and then let it process you. Process right. content. Um, there's something I was gonna say. Oh yeah, well, you know who used to do ASAP Rock's beats, right? Uh, Blockhead. That's right. Former guest of the show. Shout out Blockhead. Hope you're doing well, Tony. I know you listen. Um, he probably doesn't, and he definitely doesn't. But uh, fun, fun guest to have on, and also a great artist in his own right. Shout out to Blockhead. Gout. Around in the corner of third oh, yeah. base, coming home. This you got your it. last song. This is it. Yeah, this is uh. I think it's Frank Ocean, right? That I had. Yep. Yeah, it's Nights by Frank Ocean. Yeah, Frank Ocean. I would say Blonde, the song this album's off of, um, the album this song's off of, is one of my. I would say if I had to pick, it is my favorite album ever. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it, it's not an easy choice, but I think, I think Frank Ocean is one of the greatest artists that have come out in our in our time. You know, like mid to late two thousands. I gotta check out that album, man, because I only know Channel Orange, and I love Channel Orange and Nostalgia Ultra. I listen to those two, but those not. two are yeah, those two are great too. Blonde is completely different; it's very sparse, very melancholy, very um. He leaves a lot of space in his songs, and ha- and he really doesn't have any kind of linear structure. There aren't really very many songs that just have like a verse, chorus, verse to them. It's all kind of exploratory and meandering. Um, and his lyrics are just really, really touching. Like I think that he really encapsulates the way he feels. I feel like he's one of the few artists that I feel is fully realized that I just think he he knows what he wants to make and he just executes on it and he he produces everything he writes all the lyrics it's all just made by him which is just fantastic to me I mean that's just another level of level of craftsmanship yeah so you mentioned like previously that Frank Ocean actually is like um I guess let me take a step back I I mentioned I made a comment that I think it's really cool um, that musicians, like the, uh, in particular, artists in general, process like, what they're going through at the, their point in life, and then they create this art to represent that stage of their life. And um, you know, us as uh, as fans of their art and um, consumers of their art, if you will, <laughs> processors, processors of their art, as um, we get to kind of step into their shoes, and it can be a huge tool for us as we're going through our life struggles and there's a lot of music that i listen to now that i'm like um i can kind of relate to it firsthand because i'm kind of going through what they're now what they were going through then when they wrote their music you know like um i had mentioned primus for example one of the i'm rediscovering some of their music and it's hitting me at the right time so to speak um in a lot of ways and i think you had mentioned that about frank ocean so i'd be curious like can you elaborate on that a little bit Oh yeah, I mean, I listened to Blonde. I first listened to Blonde when uh, when my dad was going through chemotherapy for brain cancer, 
and you know that's not <laughs> the best time in my life so this album really explores a lot of a lot of a lot of emotions um I, th- I think I think he really hones in on this kind of melancholy feeling of mortality especially in this song um and the he he really delves into um kind of the temporal nature of uh, attachment and bittersweet bittersweet love and loss and you know things that I was kind of processing at the time and he does it in a way where I think the way his the music the music actually is structured kind of fits those themes like I said the meandering kind of sparse sound really encapsulates those emotions along with the lyrics and like D'Angelo he really do, he really has a great voice but he doesn't doesn't oversing and doesn't push the envelope he 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 uses his voice just like it needs to be used for that song which I think is a really a high mark of an artist is to you know know when to when to use their technical skills and when not to cool let's play some of the shit man this is nights by frank ocean round your city round the clock everybody needs you no you can't make everybody equal although you got buku family you don't even got nobody being honest with you Breathe till I evaporated My whole body see-through Transportation handmade And I know it better than most people I don't trust them anyways You can't break the law with them Get some good she have a calm night Shooters killing left and right Working through your worst night if I get my money right, you know I won't need you Can I tell you? I hope the sack is full up I'm fucking no, I'm fucked up Spend it when I get that I ain't trying to keep you Can't keep up a conversation, can't nobody read you Why your eyes well up? Did you call me from a seance? You were from my past life Hope you're doing well, bro I've been out here head first, always like the head first Signal coming in and out Hope you're doing well, bruh Everybody needs you Everybody needs you Ooh, nani nani This feel like a quaalude No sleep in my body Ain't no bitch in my body New beginning uh. Wake up high, the sun's going down Time to start your day, bruh Can't keep being laid on Oh, you need the money if you gon' survive Every night, shit, every day, shit Dropping baby off at home before my night, shit You know I can't hear none of that, spend the night, shit Kumbaya, shit Wanna see Nirvana, but don't wanna die, yeah Wanna feel that night, I don't think you can buy Fuck with me after my shit Oh, them boys wanna see you broke down and shit Bummed out and shit, stressed out and shit That's everyday shit Shut the fuck up, I don't want your conversation Rolling marijuana, that's some cheap vacation My everyday shit, every night shit Everyday shit
Every night fucks every day up Every day patches the night up On God, you should match it, it's that kill No way light us till I fuck my 28th up 1998, my family had the Acre Oh, the legend Capitalist six discs and a changer Back on Boswell and Percy had it active Couple bishops in the city building mansions Oh, the reverend Preaching self-made millionaire status When we could only eat at Shoney's on occasion After Trina hit, I had to transfer campus Your apartment, I didn't use since while I waited Staying with you when I didn't have a address Fucking on you when I didn't own a mattress Working on a way to make it out of Texas Every night Shopping baby up at home for my night You know I can hear none of this Spend the night my that was nights by frank ocean yeah that was probably the best song i've heard today yeah it's it, it, it's one of my favorite songs ever i mean that uh that beat switch in the middle and yeah. the, the way it kind of descends into chaos and then breaks into this clear kind of shimmering aura of of sound I mean, it, it, it's just incredible yeah dude and like i will say it's definitely by far the best lyrics i've heard today like the lyrics are very 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 good They're, he's like i said he is and he produced the whole thing he sings i mean he he is a fully realized like craftsman of music i think that he yeah he that could mastered it and that that song could have been way more pop like he could have made that song way poppier oh yeah like he could he like but he like i like the different progressions of it and it stayed very non-linear and just kind of like all over the place but in like a very organized way so yeah the lyrics are the lyrics i mean they're just really touching i mean i i, I love the one he repeats i want to see nirvana but i don't want to die i mean yeah I think that's encapsulates the way a lot of people feel you know yeah yeah dude no one no one wants to die most people think uh, if you do please call the suicide prevention hotline yeah unless you're biggie dude ready to die what it's a, it's a notorious big album mm. yeah yeah and then he died right well, at least he was ready i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> r.i.p yeah. yeah, if you guys haven't heard this album, I would definitely recommend like getting some headphones, like smoking half a bowl and just listening to it. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it, it really hits deep. The, all the songs are pretty different, pretty good, unique. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of my favorite like R and B. Like, I don't listen to much R and B. Um, D'Angelo is really good. I should listen to D'Angelo a lot more. But um, Frank Ocean is one of the few R and B artists that I actually really like currently. Um, and I should explore more R and B, but. I oh, yeah. a lot. He really holds back too, man. I mean, he's had two albums come out. He had Nostalgia Ultra, which was a mixtape. Then he had Channel Orange and then Blonde. Yeah. And he's been around for, you know, I think over 10 years now or almost 10 years now. Yeah, because he's a former. He's the he's the weird Odd Future guy. Yeah. It didn't really make ever sense why he was in Odd Future. Yeah, I think he was just friends with them or something. Yeah, but yeah. So, yeah. Um, random comment. I think I told you this, but Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is actually a huge Frank Ocean fan. So is Brad Pitt, oddly enough. Wow. Fucking Brad. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Brad, dude, by the way, thank you for bringing that up. Brad, um, 
Reply back to my DMs, dude, and come on the show already. <laughs> I know you listen. I know he's listening to this. He's from Missouri, man. We're in Missouri right now, dude. Yeah, we're fucking. We came to your home state, Brad. This is a this is a sign. So we're gonna get Brad Pitt on the show in 2020, um, and uh, you know we're just gonna see what happens. Yeah, dude. He'll give what, us a vibe check. What do you think Brad Pitt would put on here? Obviously, Frank Ocean. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, Fight Club soundtrack. Pixies. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably white noise. <laughs> Yeah, like 40 hertz at 40 hertz or something yeah the brown note um <laughs> yeah dj do you listen to do you listen to r&b too much i feel like no. it's up your alley i mean that kind of rhythmic bassy music i mean you like that stuff every time i hear it i realize i should listen to more and then i don't but i'm really curious uh maybe on my train ride home tomorrow i'm gonna dive into some frank ocean because it's like it's like sad but soothing and it's like yeah. it's very cathartic oh me. yeah okay. yeah um, at least that song and the other songs I've heard by Frank Ocean. Um, and sometimes you just fucking need that, you know? Oh yeah, man. I need that a lot. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm curious and he gets high endorsements from people that I respect. So, um, it's, it's worth, I think worth the investment to dive in. Anyways, last song, Michael R. Sharif, <laughs> Michael Z. Sharif. What do you think, man? What, what's your middle name? Zanzibar? Yes, it actually is. Um, only shallow by my bullet for my valentine <laughs> oh god I, i'll let that one slide <laughs> my bulleted valentine no my uh-uh. my um what is it my bloody valentine bullet for my valentine here we go only <laughs> yeah. shallow so tell us about it hey man the most classic shoegaze song man shoegaze is a weird distortion guitars and it seems like everything's kind of like weird and mushy and together, and it's a weird genre, man. And this is the classic, classic shoegaze album. How is it different than Stoner Rock? The I'd say Stoner Rock is a little bit more closer to like r- regular rock and less like, um, less just like s- like atmospheric. This one sounds kind of like all the sounds are kind of like all together. Everything blends together with shoegaze a little bit more than Stoner Rock. Um, you get a little bit more of like the grooves, like you get a little bit more of like the influences of like, um, of oh my god, um, black Black Sabbath and like bands like that influence stoner rock as opposed to like shoegaze has a lot more um, actually electronic influence. Yeah, what are they influenced by? Like the sound of the clicker when you signal on your car. That <laughs> 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 they're the renegade influence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah. It's a cool song. Um, I like it a lot. Um, this is one of my favorites. Sh- uh, Loveless is a really good, like, basically it's the penultimate shoegaze album you should listen to. So. What does penultimate mean? It's like second to last? I don't know. I just thought it was, oh, I don't no, know. Penultimate means second to last. I think, really? so. I think so, yeah. Really? Okay, well, I sw- I, ch- I changed that. I meant that it's ultimate. Oh, it's the last one ever. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. So. All right, well. Let's just dive into it, baby. This is Only Shallow by My Bloody Valentine. Oh, 
Only Shallow by My Bloody Valentine. I feel like that music needs to be played with like the most massive speakers in the world. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 really cool, man. I love that. Like, I was looking for that word. I couldn't pull it out, but you said fuzzy. Yeah, it's like the most fuzzy sounding music. Um, and it's super produced, actually. They actually made their record label almost go bankrupt because they, you know, the the album costs like almost like 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 way more than it was supposed to cost. Well, like 40, 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked the outro. Outro that was uh, it was very cinematic, the kind of echoey, echoey like fuzz build up at the end. Yeah, and the whole like, like they have those outros because the whole album kind of flows like that, and like. All the songs have that same kind of like fuzziness that that song has. So, um, yeah, shoegaze is weird, man. Like when they perform that, like sometimes like that, especially that chorus was pretty hype. Like they sit there and just like strum, and they just like have this like lifeless look when they play. Like it's like this, it's like a it's like a cultural thing with like shoegaze. Like they don't like they don't like show emotion when they play. Like they just stand there. It's interesting. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. The robots. I mean, like, we, we, there's no proof that they're not robots. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're all just shoegaze robots, but... Um, Isn't it called shoegaze because they have so many pedals that are always looking at their shoes? Yes. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that's yeah. that sounds right. That's that's correct. Yeah, actually, yeah. Some, my one buddy Landon came on. He was used to be in a shoegaze band, and we had a long discussion about it. Oh, really? And oh, that's then, cool. And then we did the research, and yes. Yeah. That's why it's called shoegaze. Yeah, that those all those effects and all that, yeah, they, they took a long time to like perfect that and you know, and you can only hear you know, if, you know, how sophisticated your music sound hearing is, but they do, there's a lot of production in it. It's cool. Um that album's from nineteen ninety one, so um and they waited almost four, 14 years to release their next album. Like so they only released like two albums, I'm pretty sure. What do they do between that? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> Working sales. Yeah, they probably excel like Swimming pools to some people or something. Or like swimming pool liner. Yeah. Yeah. In particular. I always, for some reason, this band, I always think it'd be goofy if, like, Taylor Swift took on, like, an alternative identity and just never released her name and made music like this. And just, like, sang like this. For mm. some reason, I, like, think that that would be really cool for her to do. I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Shout out Taylor Swift. Yeah, there's probably some multiverse out there where that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed that that intersects with ours. Uh all right, guys. Well, we're at the end of the road here. It's been a good trip so far. Has yeah, it? Yeah. It has, man. It's been interesting. I I definitely have liked some of these songs and saved them uh for revisiting down the road here. Cool. Um but I typically end these shows. Uh, by quoting my friend Dave Grohl, who says, these are my famous last words. And so um, we'll go with you, Sharif, and then we'll close it with gout. But Sharif, if you were to say, these are my famous last words, colon, what would follow the colon? Uh, appreciate appreciate what you have are my last words. Appreciate the little things. We just talked about listening to music and not listening to it all the time. And yeah, I was talking about you know actually sitting and just like, listening to a song and not doing anything else. So sitting and appreciating little things, even if it's just a little song that you are listening to. Um, yeah. Appreciate it. Um, appreciate it for the next decade. 2020 is coming up. So, mm, yeah. You know what? Gratitude is the attitude. Agree. Brother. <laughs> shout out, Hulk, shout out to Hulk Hogan as well. Um, super fan of the show. So gout, 
What are your famous last words, my man? I would say all you can do is cash out and then pass out. <laughs> all right. Well, is it that really that's all you got? That's it. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So all you kids out there, you now have the formula to success. Cashing out and passing out. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. All right. Why not, man? With, with that. Uh, with that, this has been Five Songs with Friends. We're out. Good night.